Hello, welcome to episode 120 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and my loyal host, compadre, friend, confidant, and um, anything else, Renfrey, you want to add to um, that list of stuff? Um, therapist. Therapist, Renfrey Deadman. <laughs> Renfrey Deadman. Hello. Uh, how you doing, Renfrey? Nice to see you. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. good. Pretty bloody good. Good. Good week. Quite a good week. Um, for reasons to be discussed. Uh, mostly because I've been listening to a lot of System of a Down, <laughs> yeah, which has okay. been fun. I was going to say, is that, about that, is that anything to do with this week's albums? Or? <laughs> no, no, it's great. Yeah, 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 li- yeah. yeah, a little bit, actually. I mean, okay, so on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing... Um, it, it, it's why Renfrey might have sounded a bit confused, why I might have been wanting to listen to that. I don't know why, but Killer Be Killed, Cabaret Voltaire, Dark Cran- Tranquility, and PG Lost. Uh, we're going to be reviewing the new albums from this week. And we're going to just say straight away, like we've got very used to doing at the start of the show, suck. You guys at Signature Brew, you're great. Thanks, guys. They are uh, good friends of ours, supporters of the podcast, um, brewing excellent beers from the heart of East London, music related from the likes of Mastodon Sports Team, uh, The Darkness. Have you had any of The Darkness beers yet, Renfrew? I was going to say, my calls for some polyphonic peach and some Darkness Hells Bells to be sent to our addresses has been heeded. <laughs> and I'm very happy to say that. It has. But I but I haven't actually quaffed my darkness yet, no. Um, oh, well, I've quaffed, right. I've quaffed my darkness. But I haven't quaffed my darkness in the <laughs> drink sense. <laughs> so I quaff on my darkness It's good. They've day. just done it. Yes. Uh, Hell's Bells, um, the darkness branded... And associated, associated is that the right word? Branded, well, they helped to brew it. They helped to brew it, didn't they? Brew so. it, yes. They're the ones, yeah. So the darkness um, got involved with Signature Brew as we discussed last week, and that was a sort of a bit of an exclusive for us. They did send me some the next day. They arrived on the day that podcast went up, and nearly hours after we'd even recorded saying that. They arrived on my doorstep, and, and I had drank one. Drank them all in fifteen minutes. I didn't, but I tell you what, I'm trying to buy a new fridge. Okay, this is a little bit of domestic fun that we can have alongside this signature brew sting. Sure. Maybe don't mind, lads. Um, my fridge is really the space for my fridge in my house. I've got a really small fridge and I've got all of the beers from that thing they sent me in the fridge. Now, there's no room for cheese and milk and cucumbers and all the other things that you put in a fridge right in the moment it's just it's just a beer fridge and i was thinking i might buy a new fridge but the gap because this house is an old house and it's an old like well just a very old house um there's not enough room for a normal fridge the width of the fridge is so i guess what i'm saying is if anyone wants some of my signature brew no buy fucking buy your own buy your own signature brew go to signaturebrew.co.uk i might just drink loads of it yeah, as soon as we get off of this it. this call um uh go over to signaturebrew.co.uk and put the code riot act in the checkout and you'll get 10% off of all purchases mm. it's a pretty good deal it's pub in a box deal. polyvonic yeah. peach the darkness beer all the beers that they've associated with other artists. And Shikari, did I say that? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. They, Idols. They said loads. it was a Christmassy beer, the uh, the Bell's End. Uh, it's it a bitter. Taste? Oh, it's a bitter, is it? Ooh. It's a bitter, yeah. That it's leaves... a bitter me as well. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, oh, it leaves a bit of a bitter taste oh, in the mouth, I would say. Well, that's a bitter, so it's supposed to. 
Carry on. Are you doing an edit point? You did an edit point to get rid of that no, joke. I'm not doing Sorry, that. this is silly. Yeah, uh, this is a silly start to the to the show. Um, anyway, thanks very much to the guys at Signature Brew. Go and order yourself some Christmas beer. It's really nice. Um, also, go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right podcast. And if you go over there, you might have seen that we did put up, as promised, a double classic album series podcast on the Pixies, mm. on Surfer Rosa, which went out to all of you, all of you freeloaders, everybody listening. Um, and the better part, Doolittle, was over on our Patreon page. Yeah. So you can listen to that now. Um, I found it quite hard to drag myself away from listening to pixies after we did that special i was so deep yeah so deep in a pixies rabbit hole and Um, i've not stopped what a fucking what a fucking band i've stopped not stopped listening to bossa nova and um like other albums beyond Mm. um uh the two that we covered um we're back to doing doubles for a brief period of time uh in the uk where this podcast is based we are in a state of lockdown once again so uh we're just doing it for uh, whilst people are bored hopefully maybe possibly well i I think really yeah (laughs) hopefully you're bored yeah hopefully as you're listening to this hopefully you're bored what a ridiculous thing to say um i know i think basically if there's a band who are worthy of having two albums back to back Mm. we'll do a double of it i think that's sort of more more the the thing just going forward really i reckon yeah i mean that is genuinely uh, i that is generally true yeah um but there's only going to be certain times when we're going to be able to do that so but but yeah yeah yeah. we're we're pushing so like the next one we're pushing through sorry mate (laughs) we're pushing through now because um uh, because everyone's in a state of lockdown because normally we'd be yeah. too busy for this shit but we're doing it anyway mm. and like i said um system of a down we've we're doing the first system of a down album and toxicity that feels to me very much like two albums that deserve to be yeah. put in together as a sort of double packaged thing absolutely so that's good i've been doing a lot of research on system of a down found some cool stuff and there are some like looking at my list i mean we did only did one of the beastie boys we probably could have done Paul's Boutique, but I've got to be honest, I, or check your head, I really, the only one that I really love that much is Ill Communications. I think when stuff like that happens, that's when we'll just do it as a one-er. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's obvious, like Metallica, when we come around to do Metallica, or we come around to do um, R.E.M. or someone like that, mm. that's going to be a double, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah. going to have to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course it is. Oh, big time. Anyway, uh, £5 a month it is for two or four maybe classic albums and you get the writer's review which we haven't actually done this week uh sorry about that but <laughs> we've got stuff coming <laughs> we, i think we're gonna do um uh my, my vitriol the next one we're gonna yeah so that should be coming like, real soon um so yes uh that's that's all coming um patreon.com forward slash right act podcast as i said uh Renfield, i don't know if you saw this story i wanted to chuck this in because i actually was like oh i might That'd be quite good. Um, Courtney Love's hinted that Hull might reform in 2021. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Wasn't there, so, m- was, wasn't there murmurings of Hull reforming like this time last year or something as well? Yes, because there was potentially they spoke about maybe going out to do a 25th anniversary of uh, Live Through This. Yeah. I believe. <clears throat> that would make but sense. they didn't do that. Um but they've been apparently they were rehearsing around the time and um courtney love has said that 
she's been um she's been on zoom like doing guitar practice practicing on on zoom with the rest of the members of Hull. so times are tough for all of us yeah <laughs> so you know uh or, or was it would you be interested in seeing Hull in 2021 um I don't know. I don't know if I would be, to be honest. I went back to live through this a few years ago, and I don't think it. It, it don't think it held up very well, to be totally honest. In fact, celebrity skin. I think there's an argument. Well, I was about to say there's an argument to say that celebrity skin has held up better. Whether it's a better record or not is a different kettle of fish. But I think it's held up better. Um. I love. The, I mean, the singles on Celebrity Skin, particularly oh, yeah. the title track, is yeah. fucking great. Oh yeah, totally, one hundred percent. But live through this is usually the one that like fans put up as the classic. Mm. And I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's aged very well. And I was fairly ho hum about Hole back in the day. So I'm. 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 Uh, if it happens, then cool. That's. I'm. I'm happy for it to happen. Uh, I'm not going to like put any legal proceedings in place or anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But um, I don't think I'd be too bothered about seeing them. I don't know. Then, uh, but of course, if someone offers me free press pass, then I'll go. Obviously, (laughs) Uh, yeah. Um, I remember hearing "Live Through This" back in the day, and I've not (laughs) listened to it for a really, really, really long. I mean, a really long time. I'm not talking like three or four years. I'm talking about probably decades since I last listened to Live Through This. Although, you know, dull parts, I've smashed dull parts out now and again. Go on, take everything, take it. That's a good song. Um, uh, Would I be interested in seeing Hole? It's funny because they're not one of those bands. When we talk about, when we say, oh, everybody's reformed and we think about who hasn't reformed, the only people we ever really come up with is Caius and Fugazi. Yeah, really, isn't it? Well, we don't. And I we was don't like, mention Hole. Certainly, we don't mention Hole. Um, and I, and considering how sort of sizable they were, and how big a personality Courtney Love is, mm. it, I was like, I did suddenly go. I saw this, and I was like, oh yeah, we've never gone. How about Hole? They've never reformed. I wonder why that is. Maybe because neither of us, clearly neither of us care that much. (laughs) Yeah. But it does seem like a bit of an oversight on both our parts. We haven't even noticed that they could be in line for a reformation. Mm. Everybody's going to reform, aren't they? Essentially. Mm. Yeah. And they're basically the last ones apart from those two that we mentioned before. Yes. Um, Who definitely, I think we can probably rule out any kind of Fugazi or, Caius reunion. I don't think that's going to happen. No, no. But then... so Hole will be the last band ever to reform. <laughs> then everybody's reformed. That can't. Be I, true. I, I'm trying to think of who is you know who you would go. Well, this is definitely worth paying attention to. Who haven't reformed? Everybody's reformed. Yeah. It is. It's, it's literally everybody, isn't it? Come back to us on Twitter. I'm sure people will. Uh, or Facebook, uh, if there are any bands who you would love to see who haven't reformed yet, because I'd like I'd like to know. I mean, our listeners always do anyway. They always yeah. point out our mistakes. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, just let us know on social media if you can think of any. They've got a they've got a headline Brixton. Oof. Don't say Snapcase or anything like that. I know Snapcase did reform for a bit, um, but don't be going like 
you know, some little band. Because mm. I could say Three Colours Red or something. Do you know what I mean? Like I could they say perform. The Blood Brothers. Yeah. You know. But I don't mean that. I mean, like, big bands. Mm. Mm. Um, speaking of big bands as well, and grunge, you've seen this. Uh, Alice in Chains are going to have a tribute show played for them at the uh, Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle on the 1st of December. A benefit concert is going to be streamed online um, with a load of special guests, including Anne Wilson, Billy Corgan, Dave Navarro, Corey Taylor, Duff McKagan, Fishbone, Kim Tail from Soundgarden, Korn, Chris Novoselic, Mark Lanigan, Mastodon, Metallica, Nancy Wilson, Taylor Hawkins. And it will sh- the show will feature appearances by Les Claypool, Jeff Ament, Mike McCready and Eddie Vedder. Uh, Sammy Hagar, Tom Morello, Robert Downey Jr. and more. Now that is worth getting excited about. Well, that is a hell of a guest list and fair play to them for pulling that together because those are some incredible guests. Um, These tribute shows leave me a little bit cold though. Um, Did you see any of the Chris Cornell one? Uh, I saw Miley Cyrus. Mm. Yeah, I mean Miley Miley Cyrus was quite good actually. Um, I actually saw a bit of the Chester Bennington one. Oh, really? I don't know why I watched that. Because you, you're a sadist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. It's like a load of people I don't like playing songs I don't like in tribute to a person I don't like. Um, the the guys from Soundgarden came out quite recently and said that they... I don't know if they went as far as to say that they regretted doing the Chris Cornell tribute one, but they, they basically came out quite recently saying that it didn't really feel like them and that's exactly what i thought i i i couldn't uh express that feeling as i was watching it but it, this didn't feel like soundgarden and i think alison chains operate in a similar kind of sphere to soundgarden so i'm curious as to how that's going to work well i think the the difference there is is that we've had a lit we've a little while we've had quite a while 15 odd years of getting yeah. used to seeing alison chains without Lane Staley. I mean, to me now, I I mean, when I think about Alison Chains, I do still think about Lane Staley, obviously. Mm. But I think about them. I think about William Duval and Black Gives Way to Blue, and you know the the amazing times that I've seen them since they've come back. And mm. I have to say, you know, I think I've said it a bunch of times in the show before. The cynicism I had surrounding. Um, the Alice in Chains reunion is as cynical as I've ever felt about anything. I think I thought the idea of Alice in Chains out Lane Staley was ridiculous. I now don't think it's ridiculous, but perversely, I mean, when you bring up Soundgarden, to me, the idea of Soundgarden without Chris Cornell, that is completely and utterly ridiculous, mm. totally ridiculous. Um, that's more, I think that's, that's more ridiculous to be honest, because at least, there was a pretty big break, at least a kind of eight years where Alison Chains weren't doing anything before William Duval came in and Lane Staley had been kind of, you know, long since deceased. Yeah. Uh, whereas Chris Cornell, I know it's a few years ago now, but it still feels very, it feels very new and that we've not really had yeah. any other type of Soundgarden ever. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, there is going to be. I mean, Alison Chains are playing it, so it'll be the Alison Chains that you have known and loved for the last fifteen years. Do you still you still like Alison Chains as is with William Duvall? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and Black yeah. Is Way to Blue is my. I mean, it, I almost feel like it's tied first with Dirt. 
you know, that record. It's such yeah, such too. an incredible comeback. I mean, definitely a contender for best comeback ever. Um, I think so. Absolutely wonderful record. Um, and I, I actually really like um, The Devil Put Dinosaurs Here as well. I think it's a much better record than people give it credit for. Um, yeah, I wasn't Ra- as keen on that. Yeah, I know. Rainier Fog is okay. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I, I get what you mean. Well, we went to the, we went to the Talk Talk tribute show the yes. tribute to mark hollis yes last year didn't didn't we and that hugely missed the person that they were paying tribute to massively uh, most of the time yeah yeah there were there were some really good moments in that show but it was yeah, very 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 hit and miss i mean all of these mm. shows where you have you know an, an absolute cavalcade of guests are always a little bit hit and miss um but yeah i go in with caution I'll, I'll de- I mean, I'll definitely tune in for as much of that as I can see, though, with that guest list. It's incredible. Mm. Yeah, that should be cool. So there you go. Um, if you're a fan of Alice in Chains, I think that is definitely worth paying attention to at the very, very least. Uh, do you see any see any streams, any live stuff you want to talk about? Nope. Me neither. Me neither. So let's crack on, shall we? Um, do some reviews and start with the second album from the Mastodon Soulfly Dillinger Escape Plan converge supergroup killer be killed uh this album is called reluctant hero it's the follow-up to their as we recently discussed on a very recent rioters review very very excellent self-titled debut album that came out in 2014 the as we said in that rioters review the excitement for people who were fans of those particular bands i mean as a this is before Ben Collar was in it, so we'll take Converge yeah, out. Yeah. But um, but as a fan of, a huge fan of the Dillinger Escape Plan, as a huge fan of Sepultura, as a huge fan of Mastodon, mm. the idea of the people who basically front those three bands getting together to do something where they would showcase what they do all at the same time yeah. on paper... I just thought was the greatest thing that could happen to this planet. And and, spo- and spoiler alert, the album for that writer's mm. review. I mean, we were we were both very pleased to hear how well it had aged. It's only three or four years old. Anyway, it's three years old, isn't it? What the first album? Yeah, yeah. No, two thousand fourteen. It came out. Holy shit! Has it been that long? Six years. Oh, wow. Six years between records. Okay. Hmm. Oh God! Time's floating away from. Me. I know, Quicker I know. I can imagine. Um, mm. But yeah, we were both really pleased to hear how well it had aged. It felt like it came out like the previous day when I listened to it. Yeah. Um, and this idea of Max, Troy, and Greg all fronting this band um, in an equal manner as well is still as exciting to me in 2020 as it was in 2014. Is it still as exciting for you? Absolutely absolutely i mean i think the thing that we've spoken about with metal um is that the there's not many people many bands who are really pushing the envelope in changing the way that met you know metal evolved a hell of a lot from the kind of 1980 you think of the 20 year period from 1980 to 2000 and how much metal evolved within that period and then if you take the period from 2000 to now how much it's evolved i mean particularly in the last 10 years i feel like the you know the 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 progression that you and i grew up 
hearing um, has slowed down to a crawl now. Yeah. And I think we have had to try and find ways to reconcile our love of that type of music with, I guess, just the tre- the, the the general treading of water that the genre has been doing. Now, I think there's kind of two ways to combat this. Um, if you're a, a metal fan and you do have the same sort of complaints that Renfrew and I do. One is that you find stuff which, you know, you've got to go out of your way to find stuff like, I don't know, Oathbreaker would be an example that because I don't want because I don't want to use Code Orange um, because I always do. (laughs) Oathbreaker would be an example of a band who I think are doing something that I hadn't heard before. So I look at a band like Oathbreaker and I go, yes, you are pushing metal into different areas. Good for you. Um, And then there are bands like Killer Be Killed who aren't necessarily doing anything new, really. But what they're doing is an amalgam of all the absolute best stuff from every conceivable pool that you could pull from in metal. I mean, everybody knows what Mastodon are good at, and it's a very different thing to what Soulfly, Cavalera Conspiracy, Sepultura nail bomb are yeah, good at yeah everybody knows what dillinger escape plan are good at and that's a very different thing to what cavalera conspiracy mastodon whatever are, are good at doing so combining those things is is the thing that this band need to do for it to really fucking pop i think yeah absolutely and the way that they get the balance between all three vocalists i think we mentioned this on the rioters review for the first album but it's very much continued it feels like you get more or less an equal amount of Troy, Max and Greg. And they all have such distinct, truly individual voices and utilising all three evenly is such a cool dynamic. Um, Mm. It kind of gives that feeling of knowing something's something cool is always around the corner, you know? Um, And it makes it really, really diverse as well. Having those three voices to sort of dance around and all three of those voices i mean probably maybe bar max but greg and troy are really dynamic vocalists in their own right certainly greg Pesciato. um yeah. so they're doing loads of different stuff that you know they have lots of different voices on this record as a result but something that struck me uh, not the first time i listened to it but maybe the fourth fifth sixth time through even if this album was instrumental and didn't have any vocals whatsoever it would still sound more dynamic than 99% of modern metal releases today. And I think that says a lot. The foundation that it is built on is really strong and it has a very kind of, I think it's looking back at the last 30 years, would you say? 30, 35 years of metal generally. Um, Mm. And really paying tribute to that. You know, there's a kind of, I feel like... um, Oh, there's a song that's like a minute long or a minute and a half. Animus. Long. Animus. Which feels like a tribute to Nail Bomb, you know. It's almost as if It's exactly what I've got written yeah, down here. Yeah. yeah. It's it's almost as if Greg went to Max and said, Can we write a nail bomb song? You know. Um that's higher how I imagine it would have gone down. Um and that is really cool. But then then you've got well, th- there's all sorts on here. There's really clean melodic parts there's some brilliant clean melodic work from greg uh who gives these massive melodic hooks to the great purge and comfort from nothing 
um, which are both highlights of the record for me. Um, both of those songs are on the second half of the record, which I think is a more experimental, more interesting second half and probably the better half of the two. Um, not that the first half's bad, it's just a little bit more straight ahead. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a couple of, there's one or two moments um, where I was a little unsure. Um, Filthy Vagabond. Oh, I like that. I mean, I think particularly that, you know, because a bit like Animus, you've kind of heard, you've kind of heard Max, like musically, you've heard Max Cavalera. Yeah. And obviously you've heard Ben Collar go into warp speed, fast, straight ahead, punk rock territories. Yeah. Um, And there's not really a lot, like I say, it's not a lot new that you can do with that. Unless you've got, the singer from Mastodon, who does all the really spacey, like, uber melodic kind of howling vocal parts. Yeah, yeah. Now, I love Troy Sanders' voice, and I love Troy's when he comes in on, on Mastodon songs and he just changes the the pace of them yeah. by the way that he kind of, like, drawls out his vocals. Hearing that in a, basically, in like a sort of Bad Brains Dead Kennedy song, mm. it's fucking amazing. It sounds because like... you go, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that dude do that. Yes. And yeah, it yeah, still yeah. sounds like Troy. I mean, I don't know if you were about to slag off uh, or say, I'm not sure about Filthy Vagabond, but that was one of the points where I was like, wow, that's, that is exactly, that is exactly what I want from this record. It's really growing on me, Filthy Vagabond. When it first came in and it had, when I first heard it the first couple of times and it had those woes in the in the chorus and stuff that i wasn't sure about and uh troy sounds like he's channeling his inner lemmy now there's nothing wrong mm. nothing wrong with that but um both were sort of i think they were, i was just surprised the first time round, but i wasn't sure if it was in a it on an initial listen it sort of vaguely recalled anthem we are the fire by trivium and i was like oh <laughs> that, that was a misstep and i'm a little bit worried i think by association i was like oh shit is this a misstep um on further listening i don't think it is uh it's not my favorite track on the record but i do agree with everything you're saying in terms of it you know feeling like something different that we've not heard from probably any of their bands really subtly so yeah but still yeah i mean i well yeah i think max has done similar kind of moments before but That's it's just because true. troy just because troy gives it a totally different flavor i think you're right i mean the first i think deconstructing self-destruction which is the opening song mm. like yes it's quite straight yeah and it's what you would expect but a bit like um uh of uh of feathers and wax what's the first song on the f- yeah that's what's called isn't it? Something um, like on, that, yeah. on the uh the first record it's just such a brilliant i mean it's undeniably a brilliant, massive, groovy, yeah. perfect sepultura headbanging riff with this like manic spittleful vocal performance from Greg, and then Troy comes in and just does and just kind of warps it, and you go, "Well, this is this is all the stuff that I want from yeah from heavy music, basically." And you know, the last the next couple like left, I think you mentioned left to center, and Greg comes in with this massive again it's massive vocal hook on that it's brilliant but i agree with you from from a crowded wound onwards is when i think this record becomes goes from being a really really good metal record or a really great metal record in the vein of the first album to i think being significantly better than the first album oh 
that's interesting. Okay, uh, go on. Tell me why. Um, I think from a crowded wound, which is seven minutes long, is fucking amazing. I mean, just the opening, the, that, the guitar tone that Max has on that record, uh, on this record in general, is brilliant. But that guitar tone on that particular song is just absolutely crushing. I mean, I think I reviewed this for, for Metal Hammer. And to quote myself um, <laughs> in that review, I said, this feels like it's it's be it's like it's like you're pushing a boulder up a mountain that song it is so oppressively heavy yeah. and it's got all of the different and each time you get this kind of like i say a seething but restrained pachato performance and then you get these trade-offs between troy and max in this like this just crushing midsection and then it all just kind of simmers out and i was like this has got everything that this is everything that heavy music again this is everything that i think heavy music should aspire to it's dynamically amazing it's tonally brilliant like it's just sounds so angry it's got so many ideas and it but it never really even though there are loads of different ideas and there are loads of quite subtle little things going on it never feels like it stops from just smashing you in the face so hard throughout i mean that is the big takeaway from it but if you really listen to it four five six listens in then i think you get uh, you 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 realize how much more has gone into it than that it's uh, that is a brilliant song absolutely brilliant and from then on in i mean you get again the the, the i think the final track uh the the um title track the title track again is amazing it's almost almost a ballad but it sounds yeah. anthemic and there's not many times that you can hear max cavalera yeah on a on a really sort of soaring anthem like i can imagine that song on like if i was on team rock radio that is the sort of song that i can imagine i would want to play a lot and would get a really good reaction even from those people who I've spoken about not liking before. Um, I think it's the best song on the album by quite some way. I absolutely yeah. love that song. It's slow and yeah. lilting and melodic and it broods. It really broods before it becomes big and anthemic. But yeah, anthemic is absolutely the word. It slithers to a really epic conclusion. And it really yeah. is the furthest away from anything Killer Be Killed have done before on that first record. I think it's an absolutely amazing song. Yeah, it's it's really, really wicked. And I mean, you know, we spoke about Dead Limbs, which came out, I believe, as the first single. Um, we spoke about that on the Rioters Review, which yeah. is just a rager. And that big, again, Troy Sanders bringing this big melodic vocal chorus in the middle of it is brilliant. Um, the Great Purge, I love how that sort of, that starts like a kind of, blood mountain offshoot off cut before greg mm. comes in and he does this really it's almost like this that it's like blood mountain but with greg doing the vocal from something like gold teeth on a bum by from by yeah. ginger skate plan yeah. and again if you're a fat i mean if you're if, if you love um option paralysis and blood mountain and you've thought i wonder what those two things would yeah. sound like together fucking hell and That's i mean <laughs> yeah and you think well i'm not being funny but like this might sound like i'm just 
you know endlessly comparing it to stuff that they've already done and whatever but i mean you've got to understand that mastodon dillinger escape plan converge sepultura finding a way to combine all of those things together and it reminds you each element reminds you of the best bits of those bands that you love that you that you like you and i i think all four of those bands we can go we love those bands yes Yes. we absolutely like they if i was doing my top 20 metal bands ever all four of those bands well i think all four of them get in the top 10 Mm. to be honest Mm. yeah um so you know it's (laughs) it's quite difficult to you know i I feel like on one hand they would have to really fuck they would have to really fuck this up to fuck it up because they're obviously so good at doing that but still to to get all of their because sometimes you don't get everybody's personality in a super group sometimes you go well the bass player's not really that you know he's from that band and that doesn't really sound like that oh he's doing something different they have just nailed doing what they do in their day jobs perfectly but somehow finding a way to congeal them all together yeah um but this is one of those bands where it's that amalgam that makes them what they are, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's mm. not sort of the individual constituent parts. It's the amalgam that makes them something totally different. And I'm really thrilled. I mean, I thought that, I mean, obviously I thought the last Killer Be Killed album came out three years ago, um, like an idiot. Um, if we can get like a new Killer Be Kill record every five to six years, I'd be very happy to hear that mm. personally, you know. Um, yeah me too i think that would be awesome i mean whether that's uh possible or not i don't know because all of those guys are very busy guys but um i would love to hear more from this band because this is a brilliant brilliant record i don't think i'm quite where you are with it in terms of i mean i personally still prefer the first one do you i think so yeah yeah i okay but the way it is funny because the way you're talking about it now, I'm I'm kind of like, oh, I really want to go back to it and re-listen to it now. So there you go. Maybe I'll change my mind by the end of today. I'll tell you. I'll tell you <coughs> what the difference for me between the first one and the second one is. I mean, I think of Wings and Feather and Wax. That's the name of that first song. Mm. I'm not sure if there's anything as instant um, as of Wings of, and of Feather and Wax on on uh, Reluctant Hero. I guess deconstructing self-destruction might be the closest to it the big opener um wings of feather and wax is an absolute all-time fucking rager like it's incredible but i think this does feel more like they feel more like a band to me now and i want to say i think the addition of ben collar i don't think we should underestimate how much ben collar brings to this band Mm, mm. because as much as it was david eldritch of formerly of the mars volta who was initially the drummer and he's great on that first record he is great um and i'm sure i was gonna say i'm I'm not sure how comfortable he would be doing certain styles it feels like he's pretty fucking comfortable for the whole thing but ben collar is the perfect person to be i I mean i actually think It is a. It might be a weird thing, but if you were to go, well, there's not much of a link between Sepultura, Mastodon, Dillinger Escape Plan, or you know, Soulfly, Mastodon, Dillinger Escape Plan. But if there was, hmm. the guy who plays in Mutoid Man and Converge 
and all pigs must die would probably be the guy who would be able to congeal all that together yeah and to me to me this feels like even it feels more like a band than i think the last one i don't think the last one didn't sound like a band but it certainly sounded like them working out how to like they i think they understood how cool a concept it would be to have those three men doing vocals on every song on those three tracks and i think maybe at some point they went okay well this guy has to go in and do his bit now whereas i don't feel like there's anything on this record where i think there are bits like like on the title track where it's much more anthemic and epic and max has gone I take a step back from this song because mm-hmm. it's not going to fit me quite so much. I think in the last bit, they were like, okay, we need to write a bit in where Max can come in and go, fuck shit up and all that kind of <laughs> stuff like he likes to do. And, you know, who doesn't like to hear that? But um, I think they, I think they've worked out a way to serve the songs better and to serve themselves better as a collective rather than, I was going to say rather than individuals. I don't think there's any way that the first record sounds like you know a bunch of egos fighting for space or anything at all but i do think that maybe they were slightly too polite in being like oh we have to make sure that everyone gets an equal slice of the pie and i don't feel like this is such um it's not written by or it's not created in that kind of committee like manner Mm -hmm. i think this is just like these are what these songs need and this is how you serve them best and for that uh, particularly the second half of the record, which I think is just outrageously brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like outrageously brilliant. Uh, it, it's basically for if for for a for a straight ahead metal record, I don't think you'll get much that's better than the second half of this record coming out of heavy music for a very, very long time. It's well, I, fucking amazing. I definitely agree with that. Yeah yeah the second half of this record is absolutely unbelievable yeah and i think the first half is was really good as well yeah i agree you know like this is a really really good record like um will it get in my top 20 albums of the year i mean spoiler alert for people who buy metal hammer it got in my metal hammer top 20 of the year like quite easily as well and and i you know i i got this and then i think the the top 20 was due in like about two weeks after i actually got hold of this album so i hadn't even had it that long and i was like nah this has to go in it's fucking great um so yeah i mean for me it's definitely i'd say a a significant step up makes it sound like i'm kind of ragging on the first one and i'm I'm not at all because i think the first one's really good but i do think this is definitely a step up definitely fair enough i I can't argue with any of your points certainly i mean i think they definitely do sound more like a band now and they Mm. do sound more like their own thing maybe it's just um familiarity with the first record compared to the second um i can see this potentially becoming my favorite of the two uh i'm just not quite there yet but um yeah come back to me in six weeks and i might be yeah i mean i've listened to this a lot or like a real 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 lot i've probably listened to this about 40 times at this point i'll be listening to it a lot more i just got sent uh i just got sent it by uh jonah a nuclear blast which is very kind of him so thank you 
Thanks, Joe. Joe's got a podcast, by the way. We should just say yeah. Joe Nan and Tom Dare have a podcast called uh, Hellbent for Metal. Yes. Which is a sort of, um, well, it's a look at metal through the prism of... Uh, the gay community. The gay community, yeah. The um, I want to get the... Because I did it with Jamie Morgan. I did it with Jamie on an interview, Code Orange, and I said, because uh, they always say thinners of the herd, isn't it, is the thing. And I went, oh, it's T h t o three and he was like no <laughs> t o t h and so i don't want to get the lgbt lgbtq plus lg yeah i i i can never get them right <laughs> terrible so bad uh at just letters good at words though really good at words Brenty, <laughs> as i've just proven sounds uh, like you're <laughs> it sounds like you're auditioning for a job oh well <laughs> uh no i'm not um there you go anyway reluctant hero by killer be killed is out right now as i said i mean if you've got even a passing interest in one of those bands that we've talked about yeah and i, you, I can't believe you haven't no if you're listening to this you should have a passing you should in have really bands, yeah. yeah yeah for sure uh it's out right now it's really really very 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 good um okay let's move on to our next record which comes from cabaret voltaire the album is called shadow of fear it is the 15th studio album from sheffield's pioneers of electronic music this is cabaret voltaire's first album in 26 years uh since the 1994 album conversation um richard h kirk is the only remember remaining original member of the band um cabaret voltaire actually reformed in um in 2014 and uh we were talking about mr bungle last week weren't we Oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And we were saying the most fucked up reunion ever, Mr. Bungle coming back together and all they did is play a load of old songs from their first demo that no one's heard. Well, I wasn't aware that Cabaret Voltaire had reformed in 2014 and just written a load of new songs that no, literally nobody had ever heard for their yeah. reformation for a gig in Berlin, uh, apparently. And um, And this is a result of the new songs that they wrote in that period um before um, we get into it i was on. just i was just gonna say um i've got a uh quote from richard h kirk here he says the mission statement from the off was no nostalgia normal rules do not apply something for the 21st century no old material and he was talking about the show that they put together right. in 2014 so yeah just to yeah. cover that point okay um before we get into it now i guess for the in uninitiated <clears throat> we should probably really explain just how inspirational and important a band Cabaret Voltaire were. So they were formed in 1973 and were certainly one of the pioneers of that electronic music scene, which morphed into post-punk, new romantic, synth-pop, industrial, all that stuff. I think they are a genuinely integral band to that movement. I found a quote from Andy Gill from Gang of Four, the late Andy Gill, and um, he was saying in, in 1978 he said he, that cabaret voltaire was the sound of the future i think was the quote or um i don't know if that actually was a quote but something about the sound of the future cabaret voltaire will be something but it was a it was basically saying like this is this band are you know sort of pointing us into this direction for the future um so you know throbbing gristle suicide einster zende nybauten i guess craft work as well all that stuff um they are they kind of sit alongside all of those bands and 
they are, as I said, sort of genuinely integral to that movement of, of all the stuff that, that I really, really like. Loads of stuff that I really like from Killing Joke all the way to, you know, the, the Future Sound of London or Chemical Brothers or whatever. Uh, I think you can hear, if you listen to a song like Sensoria, which came out in 1984, that sounds like an offcut from Pretty Hate Machine. Cabaret Voltaire are incredibly influential to a lot of people. Saying that, they are a band that I have never really had a fully formed relationship with myself. I'm aware of a few songs. I'm aware of the inspiration and influence they've had on this scene. I don't own or really know any Cabaret Voltaire albums myself properly. Um, but I feel like I know a little bit more about them than, than you, Renfri. Is that true? fair to say? You know a lot more about them than I do. Um, I... I th don't think I was even familiar with them before you suggested doing it. Um, I'd heard the term Cabaret Voltaire, but when used, I mean, Cabaret Voltaire is a style of cabaret, isn't it? Um, so maybe I'd seen them come up and not realised it was a band. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't say I'm familiar with their previous output at all. Uh, in, I'd probably go as far as to say that I was only vaguely aware of this band's existence before we came to review this record, really. It's not really the sort of thing that you spend too much time paying attention to anyway, really, is it? This type of music, not, I would say. Certainly not paying attention to, and I certainly wouldn't have done growing up. I'm certainly getting in. I mean, through this podcast and through doing the show and osmosis, I certainly feel myself getting into a lot more kind of um, synthy stuff and post-punk stuff. Mm. Um, I told you the other day on the phone, I immediately put on the Bambara record after first listening to this uh, Cabaret Voltaire album because it reminded me yeah. of that a little bit. I think we did I Like Trains earlier this year, which is also comparable, I would say. Yep. So I do dip my toe in here and there, but I have very, very specific tastes. Uh, I think because <laughs> of the repetitive... Uh, repetitive grinding nature of the music i do have very specific um tastes in terms of how i want this stuff to sound and most annoyingly i don't know what those parameters are i don't know what it is that makes me interested in bambara uh and not interested in other stuff right okay um it's an interesting one that being this long i mean i always think it is interesting to hear these come back you know we've already spoke about black giveaway to blue bias and chains we didn't actually mention king Hannibal but my sound garden but that was a comeback albeit both of them the, the gap uh, in time is nowhere near as big 26 years without an album is a really really long time and i guess what we're asking i mean having mentioned uh, bands like bambara and i like trains who are doing a similar type of thing to this um who were probably inspired by bands who were inspired by bands who were inspired by Cabaret Voltaire. Yeah. Um, we're living in a world where the sound that they helped to shape is very much back in style, was kind of the zeitgeist again. And I guess the question is, can the originators of that style still cut it in a world where people have taken that idea and run very, very, very far with it? Um, I'd say in a short answer to that question, not really, <laughs> but I think it's a little bit more complicated than just that. Um, Renfrey, what are your thoughts on this record? Um, well, Steve, 
you privately predicted that I wouldn't like this album over the mm-hmm. phone. Uh, but I've got to tell you, no, no, I don't. I don't like this album. At all. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do not, not. like this album at all. Um, it's very long. It's very long. Let's get that out of the way. It's fifty-eight minutes and twenty-one seconds. Eight songs in fifty-eight minutes. Ooh. Shortest song is six minutes and three seconds. Long old album and very repetitive. Mightily, mightily repetitive. It structurally reminded me of the dance craze of the late 90s where you would get these incredibly long self-indulgent club mixes where every fucking track was two minutes of music looped for 14 and it'd be unfair to say that there's no change or progression in the music on shadow of fear but it's too little and too subtle for me to get invested in and the parts that are repeated ad infinitum more often than not the beat is usually the part of the song that i find least interesting it's interesting i mean i listen to a lot of this kind of minimalist kind of music there's a huge movement of it in post-rock and there's i have a lot of time for songs building and gradually changing and nine inch nails have done a lot of stuff with it particularly their ghost projects and so on and so forth so it isn't that in and of itself that I'm against. It's just nine when Nine Inch Nails do it, I find it engaging. When Mogwai do it, I find it engaging. When Godspeed You Black Emperor do it, I find it engaging. And this, I just didn't. I found the repetition, as I said, they were repeating the least interesting parts of the song for my money. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think this uh there's a um i mean we're going to be reviewing another album in a little bit which i would say has even less dynamic range in in, it than this record um but it's a completely different record so it's probably not worth bringing up but i think what this hits at the heart of is is dance music essentially because basically when you compare it to stuff like Bambara or I Like Trains, who are really who are rock bands, who are kind of distilled down to their absolute base element, they are a rock band. Yeah, I don't think Cabaret Voltaire are a rock band. And you are more, although I think sort of classical music, minimalist um, post-rock and guitar-based rock music is probably places where you would feel more um more comfortable sitting in that space for a long time so i can understand how something like like orbital Mm -hmm. um for example who who i you know or the orb i remember seeing the orb um sub in the manic street preachers at reading uh, in 1997 and they were brilliant. And I'm not really a massive fan of like 28 minute long dance remixes of stuff mm. in the main either. But I do like the the kind of the the new order craze that they sort of started of like white label 12 inch remixes of stuff, which obviously had been happening for a long time before. But like when that really broke big into sort of the mainstream charts and i remember going into Woolworths when i was a sort of six seven year old kid and seeing you know the 12 inch depeche mode um i mean i'm trying to collect all of those depeche mode box sets with the 12 inch remixes on and and it's a style that i think because i've grown up with i've learned to have like a 
quite a, like more of an appreciation for. Mm. So I didn't find this album hard work at all, okay. really. I didn't find it hard work. It's incredibly evocative of mid-80s electronic music. The opening song, Be Free, is analog as fuck. It sounds like it's been dug up from some pit in 1985. Yeah. Now, that's not a problem. Like, like I say, that's not a problem to me. Aesthetically, I like the sound of that stuff. I grew up listening to that music. I grew up around that type of thing. That's fine. But it, does, it the, does sound like they wanted to make an album that oh, was current, though. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think that's that's maybe where I'm like... Well, I don't think this this definitely doesn't sound current. Um not at all. Not at all. Um eighties and nineties were the vibes I were getting. I was getting. Yeah. And the song itself, B Free, I think it takes a little while to actually do anything. Mm. And I think that's at the heart of why parts of this record don't always work. I think there are bands, as we've mentioned, that have taken this sound and these ideas and they've found ways to make them more dynamic over the years. And, you know, like if we were to compare the sort of the opening of this record to the I Like Trains record. It's night and day, really, because I don't really think you get anything very instant. And then you are like, I was left a bit with like, I don't really feel like I've got much for the first couple of songs. I don't really feel like, you know, I felt like even after a few listens, I was like, I'm still not really getting that much from those first few songs it's quite lausch and minimalist you know it's it's a, it's just kind of at points i was like if this is a dance record or like an electronic you know dance inspired record um it's quite a shy one and you know there's a bit on the song the power of their knowledge where it suddenly gets loud it gets really loud really suddenly and goes crazy for like about 10 seconds and then it goes back to the original beat and it's actually a really effective trick and it sort of made me sit up and take notice. But, and it made me sort of realise that, you know, this is about soundscapes. They aren't trying to write pop songs. Like comparing it to Bambara or like Trains or something like that. I think they're not trying to to write pop songs. And 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 the more, the more I've listened to this, I mean, particularly, I have to say, I was going to come on and be kind of nonplussed by it initially. But I listened to it on headphones and when you listen to it on headphones, there's a song called Night of the Jackal, which is a really driving, building piece of electronic music. And it sounds like it could be on the soundtrack from like a Rutger Hauer film in the 80s. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I like that. And there's a lot in the mix and there's a lot of different rhythmic patterns that all sort of fight for space. I think it's a cool thing to see build. And I think the attraction of electronic dance music is just to see how much more you can keep adding to that bass like that very very simple bass that you create yeah to, to begin with yeah how much can you add to it um that's minimalism effectively that's minimalism and <laughs> that's minimalism <laughs> that's minimal <laughs> and there's you know there, there's stuff in it like um papa nine zero delta united has a really great bass line that underpins it and it's also got it's got a sense of urgency which i felt really was lacking in the first half of the record um and then I think, you know, I think the second half of the record is much better and particularly the last two songs. So the last two songs are um, Vasto, Vasto. And, what's, and What's Going On. And Vasto sounds like Terminator and it feels like Terminator. It's got this kind of machine-like crunch to it, this kind of inhuman, unstoppable beat and it just continues to add and add and add. And when the vocals came in and gave it a little bit of a human touch, mm. I thought this is fucking brilliant. 
And then they sort of vanished again and it's replaced by an even more kind of marauding beat. And I was like, that sounds excellent. And, you know, um, what's going on? Again, listen to on headphones. You can hear that it is about five different rhythmical ideas all kind of happening at once. There's a, there's a sort of brass section that just starts quietly in one ear and it swells and swells and swells until it kind of crosses across your, 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 your hearing. And when you, when you put it on with headphones, you, you can hear uh, like the sound design on this record is there's like, there's a hell of a lot that's gone into it. Like a real, real, real effort to make something which sounds really colorful um, and really interesting and really um you know it it does just ride along most of these songs just ride along for about seven six between six and eight minutes on a beat Mm -hmm. and if you put this on and it's on in the background it would be like dum 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 this beat this really kind of analog machine like beat which sounds quite dated and sounds like it's from the 80s and there's not really a lot else to it but when you put it on and you actually hear if you put it in your headphones and you sit and you actually and maybe like close your eyes and listen to it for a second, you will hear some really fucking cool, interesting stuff going on around it. And it's not until I did that that I actually started to kind of enjoy this record more or appreciate this record more. Um, is it as good as a lot of the things that we've brought up from that, you know, that probably inspired it? I mean, not really, but I do think the second half of the record is really good. I think they I think he gets into a a real groove with the record. I feel like, you know, 26 years away, it feels like you know, the first half of the record is trying to get that engine going again. And by the end I feel like he's really motoring and and I I would be loath to say <laughs> if he carried on because then it would be even longer and you're quite right. It's plenty long enough. Um but I do think maybe making those songs and then going I don't think they're of the same standard and then picking five for an EP or a shorter record. Because mm. if you took three songs off of this, it could still be an album. I think yeah. it would just be a, a much more, it like it would, it would be a much more dynamically interesting album. Maybe without, I mean, literally maybe without the first, without the first three songs. I quite like Night of the Jackal. I think Universal, I mean, Universal Energy is 10 minutes. It's like 11 minutes long. Um, and i really lost my patience with universal energy yeah and it's not i mean it's just it's it's i've written this is a very patience testing song i mean i i actually like the groove on it but i just think you know you've there's there's more happening in um in vast in in what's going on the last track which is six and a half minutes more happens in that six and a half minutes three four times more happens in that six and a half minutes than happens on universal energy which is 10 minutes and 59 if you knock that that out if you knock b3 out and if you knocked out microscopic flesh fragment this album would then be around sort of 38 minutes and i think it would be a, a much it would be an easier record to listen to i'm sure cabaret voltaire don't really care about being easy to listen to but i think it would be a much more enjoyable thing to listen to and it would showcase the best parts all the best parts of this record all the stuff that i'm taking out they do to a much higher standard on other parts of this record but i think this is pretty good i think this is pretty good when it's good i really like it i i'm very happy that you've got all of that from it um i i this is a hard one for me to review because I got, I just didn't get anything from it in the three, four times I listened to it. 
it just kind of went it either irritated me or went over my head neither of which i think are good things <laughs> so <laughs> I, well, I agree with that i have that's not a good thing <laughs> i have um a lot of respect for cabaret voltaire because without them i'm sure a lot of the bands that i listen to and like wouldn't exist i'm sure trent reznor has a massive cabaret voltaire fan for example but um this just didn't do it to me uh, do it for me i don't think it fit the brief as in wanting to make a current sounding record and i don't like if that if we're reviewing it on that scale this is a failure this is not a current sounding record at all yeah it's hard to argue that this has got anything sort of contemporary sounding about it really exactly exactly he's using a lot of old school synth sounds and you know i know retro is everything these days but that's not how you make an album sound contemporary you know Uh, well i think even i mean something like 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 perturbator uses a lot of it takes a lot of inspiration from you know as we've discussed van gellis and john carpenter and you know 80s film soundtracks Mm. and scores and stuff but there's something about perturbator that to me sounds modern yeah that doesn't sound modern on the cabaret voltaire album even though i can't really pinpoint exactly what it is that means that makes perturbator sound like you know this no but i know i know what you mean and i do agree with you whilst perturbator is obviously going for a retro sound he does sound more contemporary than this cabaret voltaire album does um yeah i don't know I don't have loads more to say about it. I don't really want to be too mean because they're obviously very important and influential, but not mm. for me. No, I mean, for sort of an opposing view on that, I what I would say is, I mean, if you really love this stuff, and I think I, I mean, I am guilty of really loving this stuff. Guilty. It's not guilty, is it? I just, I just, <laughs> I like what I like. Um, uh, uh, so I think there is definitely stuff on this record which there are songs and there are moments and there are ideas on here which I think are really, really good and probably worth listening to. As a record in full, I mean, for me, it's a proper like high six, low seven out of ten at best, I would say. Um, There are, unfortunately, I think there are better, you know, it's the comeback record is never going to be as good as what you did in your heyday. It's never happened I mean, even when we, you know, we we said about Alice in Chains, the, the what is it, twelve years between Dirt and Black gives way to Blue, and the and the oh no, sorry, it's two thousand nine when it Black gives way to Blue. Mm, so, yeah. uh, oh, and the, that wasn't even the last Alice in Chains album. So ninety six, so yeah, thirteen years between records, um, Alice in Chains, and you know the idea that those two albums are comparable or that probably the self-titled Alice in Chains album is not as good as Black Is Way to Blue. No. We talk we talk about that like it's, you know, the fucking Sasquatch or something. Like, oh my God. That's like the Lord Lucan of mm-hmm. albums. Like releasing an album 13 years after you released an album and it actually being better than what you put out in your heyday. When has that ever happened? It doesn't. So, you know, this is, this is not a new phenomenon. Mm. This is, you know... This is what usually happens. This is, to be fair, what usually happens yeah. is that it's probably not quite as good as what they've done in the past. But, you know, it's still pretty 
decent, I would say. Shadow Fear by Cabaret Voltaire is out now. Um, moving on, similar sort of thing, I guess. Dark Tranquility, not musically, but a similar sort of thing in terms of um, inspiration and stuff. Dark Tranquility, Moment is the 12th studio album from the Swedish Mellow Death Legends and Scene Pioneers. Again, the follow-up to 2016's Atoma. Now, again... Much like Cabaret Voltaire, I am acutely aware of the place that Dark Tranquility have in the metal scene. Their importance, the boundaries that they helped to break down, the sound that they helped to create. But I have to say, aside from their 2007 album Fiction, which I thought was all right, I don't really have any knowledge of their work. Um, Obviously, that metalcore thing that we love so much on this show... um, that became massive um and that that sound from that time you know back in the mid to late 90s was very very exciting you know i like lots of the haunted and hypocrisy and you know at the gates i got a few fucking great records i've spoken about in flames and how early in flames is brilliant like a bit of soil work but i have never really bothered to go in on dark tranquility um so i guess you're gonna have to take what i say with a pinch of salt in this review here as well because i'm sure they have made better records than this um and if they haven't then well it seems like i made the right choice by not listening to them to be perfectly (laughs) honest um yeah it's really interesting i like i mean of the holy triptych of uh gothenburg death metal bands um dark tranquility are definitely the one that i know the least about the other two being in flames and um at the gates, at the gates. <clears throat> uh, both of whom I like up to a point, um, but I, I didn't feel like I needed any more of that Swedish Gothenburg mellow death sound. So never really bothered checking out. I think this is the first Dark Tranquility album I've heard in full, actually. Um, and yeah, it's done very, very little for me as well, really, if I'm totally honest. Um, we're not the only ones who don't think all that much of this record. Uh, angry Metal Guy gave it 2.5 out of 5. He's quite angry anyway, though. So uh, that's not a massive um, That's not a massive deal. But Kerrang! gave it 2K. Um, which even mm. I think is a bit harsh. I think 2K is a bit harsh. I think this is a low 3. Um, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> no? Go I on. I think so. No, you think, no, no. think well, two Ks is closer, do you? Is before I get into that, I'm going to ask you this: Is there a more creatively bankrupt sound in metal than Melodeath? I mean, yeah, Soil exactly. Work put out some pretty water treading stuff over the last few years. In Flames are terrible now, yeah. terrible. The Haunted are basically kind of gone. At the Gates still put out, you know, relatively half decent records but nothing as good as them at their, at their peak and then you've got this mm. i mean for all that we slag off metalcore or you slag off metalcore more than me i mean i would say or even deathcore i think both of those genres are in better condition than this melodeath thing i can't i cannot think of, a, of another genre that has got so that has really i mean they've literally the only progression that it has made is from a band like In Flames turned into a fucking pop band. Yeah, yeah. A terrible, terrible, terrible pop band. Well, like, have, it's have, have there been this music. Have there ever been any good progressions from the Gothenburg 
death metal scene. I'm not sure if there have, to be honest. I mean, maybe I would argue mid mid career in flames, but even then, I I'm glad that they changed their sound because I think they'd released a few records that were all very high quality but quite samey. You know, Horacle and Clayman and Colony. I I still find it difficult to chip to like uh, choose between those three in a, in a weird way because I don't know which is which um but uh that's a bit much you've gone a bit too far there i'm afraid <laughs> but I yes i know you're gonna yeah yeah but yeah i mean soundtrack to your escape and reroute to remain yeah, and yeah. come clarity i like, i yeah, good, i even records. i usually go one further than everyone else within flames i actually really like a sense of purpose as well but i don't do anything after that <laughs> are you saying you can't tell what what album is claiming and then you're like going do you, do you think amira's truth is better than claiming i'm not saying it's better i'm just saying it's right. more uh I'm just I'm just saying that Clayman, Horacle and Colony all have a very similar sound. That's a fair thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're all brilliant though. They're, yeah, yeah, they're all fantastic. You won't hear anything, mm. any bad words against those albums from me. Um, but yeah, there's just nothing. I put this I put this on and I was just like, it's the most formulaic 101 heard it all before. Like, why does anyone care about this? in 2020 i'm not sure if anyone actually does um who knows maybe i'm sure there are people out there i mean they probably still sell out pretty big places i'm guessing uh i don't know but i i just i found it totally and utterly uninspiring um there were clean vocals come in on the fourth song um what's the title of it let me just grab it a second on the dark the dark unbroken yeah, I mean, it's called The Dark Unbroken. Um, and I was, at first, I was like, oh, brilliant, something a bit different. And then as the melodic vocals went on, I was just like, oh, but this just sounds so, it doesn't sound like it should be a part of the song. Um, yeah. It kind of it reminded me of that. What was that Bleeding Through album where they really didn't get the balance between the melodic vocals and the screen vocals very well? The Truth yeah that's um, yeah i quite like that record but fine oh uh, it's a bit i it's a mess it's a lovable mess but it's a mess um <laughs> i know i just i i don't know again I, I i have i know more about this kind of music but i have maybe even less to say on this record than i did with cabaret voltaire because it was just completely and utterly background stuff that was happening it was very yeah i mean it, this is massively lacking in any kind of dynamic range whatsoever it is the absolute epitome of i mean there is they've got the nerve <laughs> they've got the nerve to to call a song identical to none yeah. i mean that's actually got quite a good riff on it but it is you know an unbelievably ironic name for a song by them i mean this is a big boring blamange of the shell of melodeath i think uh, it, it's got i mean there's there's a song it called until a drawn out exit came in and it had a bit of a sort of industrialized like boom to it and it wasn't just a straight melody song and i thought oh that's quite good but it ends up being exactly the same as everything else by the end really if we're being honest um there's a song called fail state which has got a bit of forward momentum on it and a pretty memorable chorus and there's the ballady one that, that ends the record which is just yeah, it's crap which yeah. is proper proper crap just cheesy you know definitely not for me it's quite a cheesy record you know i think yeah. the the thing about when why i liked 
the haunted and in flames and at the gates they never even though they're kind of you know they they do lean on that sort of classic heavy metal thing a bit you know they never get they never get they never get into the sort of euro cheese stuff mm. which i am not a fan of as discussed many many times and i do think dark tranquility lean a bit too heavy on the side of you know the kind of power metally euro cheesy stuff which doesn't just doesn't really play out very well in this country and i think if you get like i mean when we reviewed the nightwish record we were both like we don't like nightwish because we don't like this style of music but nightwish right really well crafted excellent and interesting songs there's no getting away from it they definitely do would, and they're it a far would be objectively wrong to say they were bad at what they did yeah 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 they 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 clearly spend a long time thinking about the sort of construction and the um the dynamics within their songwriting and they write you know very interesting and very um progressive there are a lot of progressive ideas in nightwish's material it's just something which I personally don't find exciting. Um, Dark Tranquility have that same cheesy stuff that I can't get on board with, but yet they don't seem to be willing to push it in any particularly interesting direction either. I mean, this is the point, you know, like I, it's not actually that hard to get me to like metal, really. It's not really that hard. I think I'm a lot less harsh on it than you because as discussed with a band like Shackles last week, you aren't really doing anything new at all. And even speaking earlier on about Killer Be Killed, they're not doing anything new at all really. But I just love the sound of that music so much that I'm always willing to give it a bit of a pass. But this just totally passed me by. This just totally... There's nothing memorable about it at all. And the bits that I do remember about it, there are the old one or two bits that I remember about it that I think are all right. And then there's a load of stuff that I remember about it because I'm just like, I really hate this. Yes, that was exactly my experience with it as well. <laughs> mm. I just find it really boring, really dull, pretty much um, everything that is wrong with you know modern metal. It kind of sounds quite machine-like as well in the way that it's produced. I mean, I hate the way these records are produced. Um, I think if you really love Dark Tranquility then you'll probably find something that you'll enjoy on this um, album. But it really is more of the same and offers nothing that they've not done in other places or other bands haven't done in other places. I mean, there was nothing on this that I thought at the gates or in flames hadn't touched at some point in their career in flames more and done for, the, for the worse. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And done. I'm done to like a far, far higher standard you know like just sorry lads i'm sure there will be people who are like are you mad this is great it's you know it's dark tranquility brilliant and you know to you i say i'm sure they were i'm sure they were once and yeah. i'm wondering if you are capable of separating this used to be great when it was exciting back in the day and this kind of pavlovian response to whatever they're shitting out now which is just kind of more of the same but less interesting as the years progress i have to admit um i've just seen i just thought i'd look up what venues dark tranquility played 
in London. And they haven't played a show in London since 2014. Um, but they do the Underworld. Uh, they did the Garage, Barfly, Islington Academy. God, they did the Astoria, but that was back in 2005, you know. So, yeah, they are they yeah, they are had a tiny they, band, really. Yeah, they had a little they had a little um, push, didn't they? Well, I think like all of those bands had a little bit of a push when... Because I never listened to any of that stuff when it was happening mm. back in the 90s because, I mean, it just... It just wasn't. It just wasn't covered in Kerrang or Hammer or I mean certainly not the Enemy or Melody Maker. Like no, really that was. stuff was really, really shunned and eschewed by uh, by the rock press in the main. For in favour of new metal and pop punk and whatever else was going on when when we were growing up. So I just didn't really know anything about these bands. And I think like I said it with the when we did our Opeth special. To me, Cradle of Filth, Opeth, In Flames deicide they're all the same thing in my head because i never i was just like oh they're they all play together and they're all lumped in together and yeah. they're just this thing that occasionally you know they'll let dom lawson write about for five minutes or whatever but you know it wasn't really a thing so i think a lot of those they, all of those bands when kill switch engage and trivium happened a lot of those bands did get a a bit more of a push and obviously in flames sort of grabbed it with both hands and ran with it probably yeah. ran in the wrong direction at one point but they yeah. they ran with it um everyone was super excited when out the gates came back and even dark tranquility like i said i bought fiction in 2007 because i was like oh here's another one of those bands that everyone goes on about and i remember it being all right i mean i couldn't tell you the last time i listened to it and it's the only one of their albums that i bothered with because it yeah. was the one that came out when i was you know really invested in discovering all that stuff it didn't make me want to go back and listen to any more of their back catalogue which should probably tell you everything and i've not listened to it for about well it came out 13 years ago so i've probably not listened to it for 12 years well, um, it, it was trivium who put this scene on the map wasn't it for the uk and america i think i think these bands were big in their hometowns but yeah for the uk and america it was tri <coughs> trivium who really started like opening this scene up for people and i think it says a lot that like looking at the setlist fm dates they did the borum and the astoria both in 2005 which would have been just after ascendancy had come out uh, and then they sort of basically go back to playing like barfly in the underworld for the rest of their career <laughs> um you know so they had a little wave um of sort of influence and recognition and then crashed it again and went back to what they used to do so and yeah based on this i'm not surprised <laughs> to be totally honest no me neither me neither there you go a uh, moment by dark tranquility is out now probably don't probably don't bother nah. i reckon um let's do our last record it comes from a band called pg lost the album is called oscillate they're another swedish band F the fifth album by the post-rock swedes i had never checked out any of their other things so again i feel pretty ignorant to uh what i've got to talk about here but i know a man who does know something about that type of thing <laughs> remfrey who are this band um wow you've pretty much done it swedish instrumental post-rock band i was actually given this album to review in metal hammer by jonathan seltzer which i was a little bit surprised by because i was aware of pg loss has seen them a couple of times supporting bands um and i very much did see them as a post-rock outfit primarily 
Um, but then when I started listening to this album, Oscillate, uh, I did hear sort of post-metal elements in it. Do you hear a post-metal in this? Uh, not really. No? No. Okay. No. I think Hammer have picked it up because it's, I think it's released by Pelagic, I believe. Um, and it's certainly, yes, it it's certainly not an obvious Metal Hammer release. But yes, I was, I was happy to do, to do it because, um, because I think they're quite good. Um, but my feelings on PG Lost before hearing this record were, they were kind of like third, maybe top third tier, bottom second tier of the post-rock brigade uh if we can do my awful sport analogy again uh, <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> um you know they were quite good if they were supporting a band who i liked or if i was at a festival and no one else was playing who i wanted to see i would go and see them um but i missed them as many times as i saw them so mm. i was fairly <laughs> ho-hum about pg lost i was like okay cool i will listen to that and I would have listened to it whether I was sent it to review or not, but I don't think I would have got all that excited about it, to be totally honest. So are you more excited about Oscillate or you feel the same? I am more excited. I think I've not heard all five of their records, but I've heard three of them. And this is definitely my favourite of the three that I've heard. Um, there's a real, I mean, there's been a lot of this, especially in instrumental posts rock and stuff um recently but there is that real kind of vangelis synthy uh dystopian future kind of feel to it but it is done really well i feel like we took we've talked about fucking loads of records like that but it is accomplished really well and they've expanded their you know they already had relatively lush cinematic soundscapes before but they've made them even richer and more grandiose than ever before um the title track has this burbling synth uh that ominously comes in and perilously perilously sort of teeters on the brink before this really euphoric refrain accompanies the gloom and lifts the entire thing um and i think that is a really beautiful thing in introducing an element which is really dark and melancholy and then introducing another element which makes it seem uh happy i think that is a really cool trick to pull off and it's pulled off brilliantly on that song um and actually on this whole album they they prove really adept at turning the dark on a dime and unveiling hidden shapes that refract the light beneath those dark themes mind trip is a brilliant case in point the song that lumbers along at a very dawdling very melancholy kind of pace before the song's conclusion which builds to something deliriously euphoric um yeah i i really love that song yeah yeah i thought it was really really good it's got this spidery little riff that mm. plays throughout it that i really really enjoyed and it manages to sound sort of joyous and melancholic at the same time which i thought was very very cool yes it's it is that joyous and melancholic thing that I really respond to really well with this record. Um, and it does employ a lot of tricks that post-rock aficionados are used to. You could definitely put this in the crescendo core kind of tag. Um, but they're employed, those tricks are employed with incredible artistry and sonic depth. Um, and I think it just makes for a really cohesive, really cool. I mean, this album is 56 minutes and 33 seconds. 
less than two minutes uh, uh, shorter than the Cabaret Voltaire album. But it went by in a third of the time, you know, for me personally. (laughs) No? Uh, No. Um, No, about the same, I would say. I think, like, weirdly, so you got a really beautiful sound from the get-go and I think it's quite a pleasing crescendo, but I can't really say I was particularly in awe of a lot of it. I think the last two songs on it, again, much like the Cabaret, I think this is like weirdly similar, although totally opposite to the Cabaret Voltaire album in a lot of ways because it sounds beautiful. And the last couple of, and again, I think the last two songs on it are fucking amazing. Eraser and The Headless Man. I mean, they sound like a joyous end to some kind of feel-good modern movie like where Chris Hemsworth plays an FBI agent who foils an inside job to blow up the Pentagon and then gets back home in time to see his son win the spelling bee. It's that kind of like <laughs> euph- euphoric, like Hollywood bombast. And and, um, and they say instrumental post-rock can't tell stories. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah. Just, yeah. just disprove that. But I think PG Lost and Cabaret Voltaire could probably learn a lot from each other is what I would say. Um, because I think on one hand, um, I think, uh, PG lost sound beautiful and glorious, incredible. Um, and I think they have taken sort of the basis of two sort of opposing, um, feelings and sort of tried to ping pong them off against each other and i think that's really cool yeah uh i do think that again i listened to this on headphones having listened to the cabaret voltaire album and although sonically it's much brighter sounding it's much newer sounding um i don't think it has anywhere near the the depth of the best of the cabaret voltaire record i don't think there's as much kind of rip like interesting rhythmic interplay i don't think there's as many sounds that kind of ship shape throughout but what i think it does do is that it just sounds beautiful throughout you know and i think were those two artists to get together and go hey let's say we're going to make something together and it's not allowed to be longer than half an hour and if PG Loss went here's what it's going to actually sound like here's sonically what it's going to sound like we can do that and if Cabaret Voltaire went, okay, well, here's all the little additions and the little oddities and the little kind of strange nooks and stuff that we can get from our music and we can add it to it. What you would have is something fucking brilliant. Mm. I think taken apart from one another, what you have are two kind of pretty good records. Hmm. Okay. Um, it's, a, they're a, it's a weird comparison because obviously neither of those bands are really like each other at all. But yet what I felt from it was like, well, one of them gives me this, but it doesn't give me that. And then the other one gives me that, that the other one doesn't give me, but it doesn't give me what the other one gives me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Um, I gave this an eight in Metal Hammer. Did I score it too highly? I would give this a seven. Okay. I would give this a seven again, because I feel like the start, the first couple, um, much like the Cabaret, again, much like the Cabaret Voltaire album, I want to be gripped from the start of the album. I don't want to have to wait for the last sort of, I think the first two songs, I think you could start from Mind Trip and this would be a better record. I don't think the first two songs do anything that they don't do far better 
on the rest of the album. Suffering's really good. I've said Eraser and a Headless Man, I think are brilliant. I think Mind Trip, Eraser and a Headless Man are brilliant. I really like the song uh, Suffering as well. But I did just feel myself being like, this just sounds nice. I don't really think it does anything, but it just, but it sounds nice. Um, and I kind of felt like that about the Cabaret Voltaire album as well. Okay. Um, and I think that those things, you could peel off a couple of those things, make it a bit shorter. And I think it would be worthy of an eight. I think because of that, like to me, this did, I wouldn't say this dragged because again, the end is the best part of it, but it definitely feels like I'm not sure you need all of this. Yeah. Okay. That's Do you know probably, what I mean? Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. Mm. But when, again, when it's good, it's, very it's good. really good. The Headless Man is, ama- is amazing. And again, like I think, you know, that riff on Mind Trip, amazing. Hmm. Um, there's some really wicked things and they just sound, do you know what I mean? It's just like, it sounds so sharp and it sounds so clear. And it's like what they're trying to do is so obvious. Yeah. You know, it's so they've, they've really, they've really like, like production wise and the, the sort of the tonality of the instruments and stuff is so is, is really brilliant and yes that kind of vangelis sound that massive kind of sun coming out from behind the clouds thing that a lot of these bands do like when that happens mm. it's a really really great sort of sonic soup that they've got yeah um i just feel like if there was a bit more kind of beneath the surface than that I think this would be really good. Like okay. when we talked about Maserati, for example, to bring yeah. a, a similar esque band into it, I've been listening to that Maserati album a lot, and that is basically like a big kind of shiny eighties pop record. But when you start, when you listen to it again, when you listen to that on headphones, there's so many weird little bits beneath the surface that you get. And maybe maybe I need to listen to it a bit more to get those from PG Lost, but I didn't. I haven't got them yet. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So I'd say seven. Okay. I think seven's a pretty good score. No, it's good. Especially it's a, good. It's especially a Metal than, Hammer. I mean, I'd give it Voltaire album though, isn't it? Just about yeah. I'd say Cabaret Voltaire is a kind of six into a seven. Uh, is is a high is a high six, low seven. Whereas PG Lost is. A, is a good seven. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'm happy with that. I'll get um, my copy back and change it. Yeah. Uh, well, don't, you don't have to do that. It's not my, it's not my, <laughs> I'd, I'd give it for what it's worth. I'd give this a seven in metal hammer and I'd do that thing where I go, you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. Oh yeah. People love it when you tell them what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, oscillate by PG lost is out right now. And uh, that's it. That's the end of the show. Quite yeah. an abrupt end, wasn't it? Yeah, very abrupt. Quite an abrupt end. Yeah. Um, there you go. Thanks very much for listening. We will be back next week. Uh, we will be reviewing Palm Reader. Yes. Definitely. Smashing Pumpkins, maybe, if we can get it. I would like to Hopefully. think we'll get Smashing Pumpkins double album, innit? Smashing Pumpkins, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we also, Clutch and Billy Joe Armstrong's got an album out. Oh, I hope. God. I hope we get it. I hope we get it. Billy Joe so Armstrong fun. trying to out 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 Weezer the Teal album. Yeah, it's a covers uh, album. By doing a, it's a covers album. So I'm sure I will fucking love that. Go to signaturebrew.co.uk, put right act in a checkout again, 10% off 
any beverages that you may want to purchase. I can confirm they are delicious. So can <laughs> Renfrey. He'll do that now. They are delicious. They are delicious. And um, go over to patreon.com forward slash right podcast. If you've listened to this and thought, cool, I wouldn't mind giving them some money and um, <laughs> and listening to some more rabbiting nonsense from those two pricks. Uh, <laughs> you can do that for, for, for money. Anyway, we will see you next week. Thanks very much for listening. Cheery bye.